Hi and welcome to Nightlight. In recent shows, the Lord's given me the opportunity to reconnect with some very old friends in different parts of the world who I've not seen for many years and get caught up with what they're up to these days and how the Lord has been wonderfully using them. In recent weeks, we heard from Kathy Gare in New Zealand, Curtis Peter Van Gorder in Germany, and this week, you're going to be meeting Anthony, who used to be called Laban, and he's going to be speaking to us from Cape Town in South Africa. Anthony, besides being a full-time missionary on many different fields over the past 50 years, is an artist with a very unique style, and his comics and tracks and illustrations in many different publications over many years have reached many millions with the gospel. I'll be asking him to share his story about his artwork, his life as a missionary, and also his thoughts on where we are right now in relation to end time Bible prophecy. And Anthony has a lot to share on these and on a variety of topics. But first, let's start with a song from Jerry Asmus. Face with a likable smile He takes them by the hand And leads them off in style They hit the town With a new best friend And they believe him when he tells them This is not the end Jerry Asmus is a newcomer to Nightlight. I have 24 inspired songs from Jerry. I played you four on the previous show with Curtis Peter Van Gorder, and I'm going to play a few more on this show as I really like these songs. Nightlight's interview of the week. And our interview this week is with comic artist, veteran, missionary, Anthony. And we're speaking together over What's Up. I'm here in Kampala, Uganda, and Anthony is in Cape Town, South Africa. Great to have you on the show, Anthony. Thank you for uh, having me on the show. Anthony, I, I remember it. you from London way back shortly after I got saved in 1973. We wrote and performed comedy skits together as part of the outreach program at a Christian Youth Club in Covent Garden in London, if you remember. And we also did skits together at Speaker's Corner in Hyde Park. I remember your great sense of humor, which was reflected in your skits, 
and your artwork. And after that, we lost touch until quite recently. I remember you as Laban, which was the pseudonym you used for your artwork for many years. But I always wondered why you chose Laban, because, well, he was something of a villain in the Bible. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's because <laughs> the mission that I joined, it was this, uh, this is back in the hippie days, you know, and uh, they would go out and earnestly witness on the streets, and I was actually not, I was a very cynical, critical overthinker, okay. you know. Frankly, Simon, I was, I was on the other side. I was very well known by all of these missionaries because whenever I'd see them witnessing on the streets, I would come up and, and stop the I would interrupt them and uh, take the person away that they were witnessing to. I, it infuriated me, the whole thing. That's the kind of person oh, that I gosh. was. Oh, yeah, gosh. All right, I'll, I'll give you this briefly. One day I did something, and I was feeling guilty. You know, it was well worth feeling guilty over. I, I wasn't the kind of guy that felt guilty very often about stuff. And uh, I was... Remembering this picture that was over my mother's bed. I was born and raised a Catholic, you know, she had one of these big pictures of the sacred heart, you know, with Jesus, you know, with this heart with thorns on it. Right. He's, you know, I was, I was thinking of that and I caught myself and I said, what the hell am I doing? I don't believe in this. So I stood in the middle of the room and I gave God my final notice. I told him, I can't see you in the world. I can see what I think is the devil that I know is the devil, but I never see you. So this is it. You either prove yourself to me, and if you do, I'll serve you. But if you don't, this is it. I am not going to feel guilty anymore. I'm not going to go by your reasoning or your rules or your laws or anything like that. This is it. I'm signing off. Do what you will. I'll be listening and waiting, but that's it. As of now, you no longer exist. <laughs> and, oh, boy, Simon, uh, this, well, first off, this feeling of peace came over me, which is something that I didn't have much back then. Uh, my pillow was my enemy. I couldn't go to sleep at night. You know, that's why I would drink, well, do whatever I did, just so that when my head hit the pillow, I'd go to sleep. And uh, this feeling of peace came over me. I said, great. I cleared the docket. That's fine. My goodness, my life started. <laughs> Suffice it to say, I had some enemies by the end of a few weeks. And, uh, you know, not just the police for double parking or anything right. like that. This, these were like, you know, uh, some criminal type things. Okay. And two people that I'd been associated with actually spent a couple of weeks at this mission. And they came back. And they had met Jesus, and they were totally different people. Wow. And so I considered it my sworn duty to go and dissuade them from this foolishness. And I would go over to their house. They would get all their hospitality, their food, their whole evening. I'd walk in the door, and I'd start arguing with them. They bore with me and whatnot. Well, a long story short, at the end of about a, a couple of weeks, I said, all right, I'm going to try this Jesus. But I wouldn't tell them about that because we'd argued too much and I was too proud to do it with them. So I went to this mission and uh, they wouldn't let me in the door. They had a coffee house and they wouldn't let me in the door for good reason, you know. The only other time they'd ever seen me was when I caused trouble. They said, what do you want? And I said, I want to receive Jesus and get filled with the Spirit. And they just kind of looked at me. They said, okay, kneel down. They were still outside, you know, they're inside and I'm outside. They said, okay, kneel down. <laughs> so we did, and we prayed right there in, in the doorway. And uh, I went home, and I picked up this Bible. Someone had given me a Bible, and I was fiddling with it. Okay, I'd smoked a joint, all right? And right. being an ex-Catholic, I said, okay, there I was, saved and in heaven, and now... I sinned again, and I'm in hell again. <laughs> oh, gosh. And I was thumbing through. I wasn't thumbing through it. I was flipping, playing with the pages. And I looked at the Bible and said, it's not what goes into a man's mouth that defiles him. It's what comes out. And I thought, 
Well, look at that. That's almost like a straight answer to what I was thinking. You know, that's the first time I ever got anything from a Bible. Up until that point, it had just been paper and ink to me. And I was thinking more thoughts because I had a lot to think about, you know. And again, the Bible fell open and it it was like a straight answer to what I was thinking. I didn't have to interpret it. I didn't have to say, oh, that's like that. No, it was just like Jesus was right in the room and he, he answered what I was thinking. And all night, I talked to the Lord like that. I'd really get down and I was, you know, I wasn't very polite about the whole thing, but I'd really pour it out and I'd get a straight wow. answer. And that did it for me. <laughs> that night proved it. So then I went and I joined this mission and I had a girlfriend. They named her Rachel and me Laban. (laughs) (laughs) They weren't expecting me to stick around very long. And I I think uh, that was a kind of a characteristic of my my whole life as a disciple. You know, I was never like the uh, shining star. One time I was in a, I was washing dishes with this uh, one brother who had been what you'd say, mightily used okay. of the Lord. Uh, he'd been, you know, far more than what I had, you know, but we were both there doing dishes, and uh, he didn't have that spark, you know? It seemed like once the Lord had used him mightily, then everything that he had done in comparison to what he had been doing was kind of like, well, it was a little bit of a letdown. Me, I was. <laughs> I was fortunate that they let me in to do the dishes. I I was just a dishwasher like that. And consequently, everything that the Lord's done for me after that, it's it's just amazed me. It's been jaw-dropping, the life that I've had. But that's because on the inside, I'm a dishwasher. I'm not a star. Let me just say that uh, how you see yourself directly affects your attitude and your gratitude Mm -hmm. attitude. If you have a a realistically low opinion of yourself, and I'm not talking about thinking down about yourself, belittling yourself. I'm just saying having a kind of realistic look at just what you are compared to what God is, and then don't worry about what people are. It's always between you and God. The people don't matter. The people are there for you to show God's love to. That's their purpose in your life. Who I am, I'm a dishwasher. And my goodness, I've been some wonderful places and uh, done wonderful things. But frankly, some of the things that I think are wonderful might be a bit despised by some people because it's not the human expectations of of greatness. Ever since that point, it's always been a matter of who I am. So I'm kind of thankful that they named me Laban. I was a bit disappointed when I read some things, and I found out that Laban was a bigger crook than Jacob, (laughs) and kind of realized what they had been thinking of me. I had had earned every bit of it. There was was no two ways about it. I didn't accidentally mess them around. You know, it was all very deliberate, but I'm a forgiven man now, man. I've just, uh, I I didn't realize how much I changed when I prayed that prayer. It took me about, you know, a few months. As soon as I had finished, I went back and I tried to do, I went to the places that I used to go to and the friends that I used to have, doing the same things that I did for fun, relaxation, pleasure. But, you know, when I went into those places, instead of seeing a bunch of, you know, fun guys uh, living it up and having a really cool time, I saw a bunch of tired people just saying the stupidest, craziest things to each other just to try to provoke some kind of laughter out of so one another. True. I said, what made me change? What, what gave me that different opinion? The only thing I've ever been able to put it down to is that the Lord brought light into my life and I was seeing things in a different light. I was still the same person that I was. I hadn't changed at all except I had become reborn. There was something else in me now. I was sensitive to God's light, to God's viewpoint, the truth that he can shed on a, on a situation that I hadn't seen before. 
that seems to me to be about the uh, the best explanation of the change that I experienced. It, I've passed that on to be in my missionary life. I've been uh, mostly aiming for the well, let's say the outcast. You know, not too outcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I know the difference uh, between people that are dedicated to the other side and uh, those people that they actually have a vacuum in their heart waiting to be filled by the Lord. You know, Simon, uh, I've been doing this for almost 50 years now, 49 years. I came to realize some time ago that there's not actually as many atheists in the world as there seems to be. Most of the people who call themselves atheists, this is the majority or people that have never seen a manifestation of God's power in their life, or they totally missed it when they did see it, rather than argue about it with people or defend it, they simply go to the other side because there's all of these wonderful excuses and reasons to disbelieve in God floating around, and you pick a lot of these things up, and you say, yeah, because they appeal to the carnal mind, and you use those uh, arguments and therefore, by default, you become an atheist. But actually, what they are is right. agnostic. They don't know. And someone who comes up and says they're an atheist, and they really, really are arguing with you about it, persistently arguing, well, how can they really say that there's no God when he so affects their life? Just the thought of him uh, affects it. So there's, a, there's an element of not fully thinking That's the right. situation through. There have been... Uh, a handful of people that I told this to who said they were atheists, and I said, you're not an atheist, just take my word for it. You're an agnostic. If you saw a demonstration of God's power in your life, you would stop and think about it. You wouldn't just reject it out of hand. Uh, Most of them then started calling themselves, I found out, agnostic rather than atheist, because uh, it was true. And you know, that's one step closer to the Lord. That's valid witnessing. That's not reaping, but that's that's planting and watering. Yes. You know? it, but it's a very valid point. And uh, a lot of people, they come in saying they're atheists, especially to Christians who might be talking a bit about Jesus. They just don't have enough personal information to argue on a, on a solid platform. So they just say, no, I'm an atheist. Stand up in a fallen 
Anthony speaking to us from Cape Town in South Africa. Anthony, let's talk about your artwork because when I think of you, I think of you primarily as a comic artist because you've done so many illustrations over the years. Recently, I got on your mail list and I've been so pleased to see how you've continued on for so many years in that ministry. You have your heaven to sell cartoons that you send out once or twice a week. And now I've been receiving your YouTube comics presentations which are just terrific and in the same unique sort of matchstick men style cartoons that has been your speciality and your hallmark all these many years tell us about that side of your ministry when did you realize that you had this gift tell us about your artwork well the sense of humor developed over the years and sometimes that i think some of the insights and whatnot and replies that I've given over the years, they were just a gift from the Lord. Uh-huh. But as far as being an artist, I knew that when I was three years old. I drew this picture. I remember what it was. It was this big curve across the paper, and there was a line on one side of the curve and then a line on another side of the curve, and I went and I showed it to my dad. I was really proud of it. And he said, what is it? And that kind of took me back. <laughs> I said, well, it's obvious. It's it's one guy chasing another guy over a hill. <laughs> and he said, oh, all right. And I said, I'm going to be an artist. And he looked at me. And God bless the man. He said, okay, well, then be a commercial artist because the other kind starved to death. <laughs> and so I always remembered that. And from that time on, I said, I'm going to be a commercial artist. Okay, well, here's this uh, four-year-old kid, five-year-old kid, and six-year-old kid. Every time we'd have a family reunion or get-together, people would ask me, what are you going to be when you grow up? I said, I'm going to be a commercial artist. I told you. I guess they must have thought, oh, it's so cute seeing this little kid say he's going to be a commercial artist. But, you know, honestly, I didn't know that people didn't know what they were going to be in life. When I was in grade school, in parochial school, all my friends, they wanted me to draw things for them, and they said, oh, because you do it good, and I thought these guys are just flattering me. You know, they're just too lazy to draw it themselves. I said, look, you know, you see that? It curved there. You just draw this here. I didn't realize that they couldn't draw. Then when I got into about junior high school, I began to realize that people actually didn't have a clue as to what they were going to be when they, quote, grew up. That was a real moment of... uh, the Lord touching my life, <laughs> you know, Gosh. that just kind of shows you just how insulated my mind was to the other people's problems back then to realize that. Well, it was a blessing. So I've always been an artist. I went through high school. I didn't, I think I took one art class. I just knew I was an artist. Then when I went to university for six years, I studied all that stuff. And uh, Six years. Wow. I did manage to make it out of the other end of that without being too crippled. But the education that I got, it was mostly interesting things and technical know-how and this, that, and the other. But as far as being an artist, I always knew it. But as I was sitting in one, you know, some of my 
advertising classes and I'd be listening to the teacher or whatnot. I'd, I'd be doodling down in the corner of the page, just waiting to get on with the assignment, you know. After class, I'd cleaning the papers up like this and I'd see these doodles and they were really cute. They were these little round-headed guys that I draw a lot of now. Yes. And I said, these are great, but I could not figure out a worthwhile way of working these in to any assignment that I ever had. They were just absolutely useless. <laughs> so they were just me doodling on the corner of a page. That's all they were. And uh, when I met the Lord and I became a missionary, a disciple, I forsook all. I left everything, my uh, the goods, the, the life, everything. And I also, in my heart of hearts, just forsook being an artist. And it was like a burden being lifted off of my shoulders. It was uh, just wonderful. I'd, I'd gone into my own business. I had an advertising business. And okay, art was my gift, but money takes the fun out of anything. Yes, It's just uh, having to do the the job for someone who wanted basically to use my hands for his idea. I felt kind of like a prostitute. I felt used. But anyway, I mean, I, you know, I made ends meet. I wasn't a depressed sort of fellow. I'd got on with it. I liked the money. But when I entered into service for the Lord, I left that and happily. But then somebody had heard, one of the missionaries heard that I'd been in university for six years and all this other stuff and had a business and things and then they wanted me to work on gospel publications well I mean how can I say no to something like that right you know and it developed from that mostly in the beginning it was just putting the publications together not just the uh, the artwork but the the total uh, presentation of it which was not professional deliberately right you'd be surprised at the selling power the persuasive power of enthusiastic amateurism. It doesn't have to be a polished, perfect publication. In fact, polished, perfect publications are a dime a dozen, and they're just, when it comes to sparking your interest, they're just dead, unless they actually are promoting something, that, you know, some item that you want to buy or a topic that you want to read about that you already wanted to read about. They very rarely ever strike up a uh, strike a new chord into your life, which is what gospel literature has to do. Yes. You're coming up on someone dead cold. Well, dead cold, maybe that's not a good choice of words. When uh, you're coming up on someone just out of the blue and you have a gospel track to give him. I don't know what you feel like when people give you a gospel track, but when I receive one, my fire renews inside to compete with these things. They're absolutely <laughs> almost negative advertising for Jesus. It's true. Most of the tracks that I've ever seen. Uh, a lot of tracks are hellfire and damnation, or they're trying to make you admit that you're a sinner, and you are a sinner. But, you know, why dwell on that? You just start from the fact that we're both sinners, and this is a, this is a solution here. So on the tracks that I get, you can get, download these tracks or salvation tracks. I have about 35 or 36 different um, tracks now, comic tracks. Wow. They're at uh, www.anttracks.com. That's A-N-T-T-R-A-C-T-S, tracks, anttracks.com. They're there for uh, free download, print-ready PDF that you can take to a printer's and get it printed up. And they're on all different kinds of subjects. There are some that are good for anything. You can keep it with you all the time. One of them is called uh, Good Advice. The other one is called Is Something Missing? And there's another one, uh, Tired of Making the Same Old Mistakes. There's just, uh, well, there's 35 of them. You can choose what you want. Some are specifically for young people, and uh, others are just GP. You can give them to anyone. And they come on with a humor is the key. Honestly, humor cuts under all the theological, intellectual, all of the carnal knowledge and the defenses that people have built up against arguments are just, you can just so easily sidetrack that with a little, not sidetrack it, you can so easily sidestep that stuff with a bit of humor. Yes. It just so smooths the way that people will actually stop and read these tracks because they're not drawn in a serious style. 
They're definitely humorous. They're made by a sinner for a sinner. And uh, that puts these particular tracks uh, in a category by themselves. Mm-hmm. They'll come at a subject from a certain angle, and then there's a Jesus' solution to the whole thing. And a lot of these things, uh, the, the text that I got for them, I got them in prayer. Wow. And I believe it was uh, the Holy Spirit speaking through me, Jesus' Spirit. That makes me sound a little bit like a nut. No, it doesn't. I know that when you look at some of these tracks, when I look at some of these tracks, Simon, sometimes they crack me up. And people think, how conceited this guy is. He's laughing at his own art. But honestly, I've done this before. I cannot go back and draw those pictures a second time with the same spirit, the same flow to the body, the same uh, expression on the face, it just doesn't work for me a second time. I know that they're from the Lord. Sometimes I go back and they just crack me up. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, they're funny. (laughs) Anthony, please give that web address once again. And if you're listening to the show online, listeners, you could even go there right now and take a peek at this terrific selection of tracks that Anthony is talking about. Thank you, Simon. You can go to www.anttracks, A-N-T-T-R-A-C-T-S, anttracks.com. Shining bright in the dark night, you're listening to Nightlight. You know, Anthony, I'm ashamed to say that I've not been carrying and giving tracks for quite a few years now, but now with you sharing about this and making available such a huge variety of tracks, ready to be downloaded and printed. I'm committing myself right now to begin carrying and passing tracks once again. And I pray that our listeners will too. Look, let me say something. This might, because what you just mentioned, the giving out of tracks, uh, you know, at a, at a restaurant or as you, someone, you pass someone on the street. In this country, they have parking lot attendants. Uh, they don't have that so much in other places now. But look, a track takes the pain out of witnessing. You can look at it as a free ride. God blesses your faithfulness to give his word out. He promises that his word will not return void. It will accomplish the purpose whereunto he sent it. That's right. Let him use your hand to send it. You don't have to argue. You don't have to get into a deep discussion. You can be prepared if you want, but... You hand these tracks out, they're comic tracks, okay? They're not a serious-looking track. There's nothing that will that will uh, cause a person to uh, not take it and look at it. It is a painless way of witnessing, and it is more direct. It gets the point across, and wherever they lay that track, someone will come along and see the picture on it and pick it up and have a look at it. There's residual fruit from these tracks because that's right they're not the kind of normal christian tracks that you see that uh, from a distance they look pretty much like any other kind of advertising that you get they're full color they're on glossy paper they're my tracks are in black and white like a comic book simplicity is wonderful and a lot cheaper for printing <laughs> yes a lot cheaper for no you're dead right you're absolutely right it's uh it's a very practical decision to remain in black and white i've seen some people have taken some of my tracks and uh, tried to put some color to it uh, that's okay with me as long as they don't change the drawings or the message it's just fine you can do uh whatever you want but yes these tracks give a different opinion they they present a different picture to people than the normal intellectually inspired tracks that you see in most Christian outreaches. I'm not belittling it. I'm glad that they've got something down on paper so that people can read it afterwards. But as far as striking somebody's interest on the spur of the moment, uh, just as you walk down the street, it makes it uh, very easy to do that. You know, on this last road trip that uh, the people here in the mission took, it was for like uh, uh, five days, but they got out like 5,400 tracks. This is not mass distribution, like you stand in one place and everybody that walks past you, you give a track to. It's not like that. Okay. 
these are people that they encounter as they walk along. They give them the track, and they're prepared to stop and talk. Wow. Well, of course, we're missionaries. And other people may not be like that, but it's very easy to give one of these tracks to people like that. Right. They see the drawings on the front, and they, they'll take it, and they look inside. There's more drawings. They read the message. Maybe they don't agree with it, but they read the message. That's success. That's success in God's book. You got the message out. Whether somebody receives it or not, that's a work of the Holy Spirit. You don't have any control over that. They're also, if you're a missionary, they're real door openers. They can strike up a conversation if you're if you're in the frame of mind to have a conversation. Absolutely. If you're not, if you're pulling your car out of a parking lot and the parking attendant's back there, you give them a track and a tip. Some people say, well, the tip is optional. But look, if you're giving them something from Jesus, Jesus is bountiful, you know? So do give them a tip, and don't make it the smallest tip. Give them a medium-sized tip so that they will appreciate it. Or if the Lord leads you, give them a slightly larger one. The thing is this. The Lord said, the Good Samaritan said to the innkeeper, Whatsoever thou spendest, I will repay. That's so true. He said that. He he brought this uh, this uh, basket case guy in, you know, who'd been wounded on the side of the road, and he gave him to the innkeeper. And he says, Whatsoever thou spendest, I will repay. When you give out God's word and you do it with a reasonable gift that goes along with it, whether it's food or whether it's money or, or whatever it is, you know you have God's word that he will repay. You did not lose that money. Yeah. In fact, you sent that money ahead to the bank of heaven. You're going to see the rewards from that money that you gave, the feelings that it inspired in the person that you gave it to, and the, the results that come from it. God's got a big book, and he keeps track of all of that stuff. There's nothing that slips his attention. That's why I tell people, particularly Christians, who give regularly, and they do it automatically, and they give it to um, their church. It's very touchy to come up to someone and say this because they think that I'm trying to get them to give me that tithe instead of giving it to the church that they give it to. But I tell them, please don't do that and don't give me anything. Just let me say this to you. When you give something, you get the blessing for giving from God, period. That's it. No way around that. God is going to reward you a hundredfold for whatever you give. But if the thing that you give or the thing that you do bears further fruit, you also get credit for that. Right. So you can give uh, some donations like to help put a new roof on the church or new pews or a new carpet or something like that. If the old one is worn or torn or something like that, I, you know, uh, that's, that's a person's private choice. But that's as far as it goes. Yes. If you give something towards the salvation of a person's soul, that can bear all kinds of residual fruits. That's like, that's like kind of investing in, a, in some kind of stock that keeps giving you dividends. You know, you keep getting payback from that. It's the gift that never stops giving, as they say, you know. You you can't lose by uh, planting God's seed. You just need to call your shots a little more. If you see that, well, I'm giving this, but it's not actually bearing abundant fruit. It's bearing a little fruit, but it's not a bearing abundant fruit. Then think of another place to give it. Not that you should cut the other place that you give it to short, Yes. You want to give in addition because whatsoever you spend, God will repay. And he does it a hundredfold. That's good interest. That's the bank of heaven we're talking about here. We're not talking about uh, the American Express. You know, it's like uh, right, right. this is something that, uh, that you can't lose. So these tracks make it so easy to bring God's word into a person's life in a pleasant, humorous, uplifting way. There's no pain or strain attached to it. Yes, I would definitely encourage people to uh, to at least give tracks. At least. What if I could see the field from your throne? 
guest is Anthony speaking to us from Cape Town, South Africa, where he's part of the Helping Hands mission. Anthony, tell us about your life as a missionary, your work there, and how has it been affected by the lockdowns and the COVID crisis and so on? Simon, it has been, it has been jaw-dropping, okay? This last year, to begin with, uh, I got saved in the States, and shortly afterwards they heard that I did uh, publications, and uh, I got invited to a place in uh, London, and uh, that was that was in 1972. Since that time, I've been just going from one mission to another. I've been in a lot of different countries, never as a tourist, but uh, working in a mission in uh, England, Scotland, Holland, Belgium, Germany. France, briefly in, uh, through Italy and Greece. But then uh, the Lord called me and my wife to India, and we were there for eight years. And frankly, I thought I was going to die there. Oh, yes, I thought I was going to die there because, I mean, you know, I'm a missionary. India, classic mission field, you know, this is it. I've reached it here. Now I'm just going to dig in until I, you know, until the Lord takes me home. But it didn't go that way. After eight years, uh, due to uh, political things and stuff like that, we had to seriously consider leaving, and we wound up back in Europe. And after being on a crazy mission field like India to go back to, uh, well, Europe. <laughs> I was trying to think of an adjective there. you know. Uh, <laughs> right, I know what you mean. It felt like a bit of a defeat. I really didn't know if the Lord was finished with me or maybe he wasn't pleased uh, or you know, I didn't know but then through it all we came to South Africa in 96 1996 and we've been here now 24 years gosh and when we came we had nothing I didn't have a vehicle I had we had a landing place but then the mission that I was headed for had to close down in Central Africa so we were kind of stuck, and we, the only open door that we had was Cape Town. I had worked on the Mediterranean, and what I did, I would paint the names on the back of these really fancy yachts. They're more like ships, actually. 
in gold leaf. Wow. That way I would talk to the crew that was on board. All of these ships had crews that were like, they were like part of the furniture. They stayed there year round so that when the owners of these ships decided they wanted to take a trip, they could just pop down and, you know, kind of like having your car in the garage and just go wherever they wanted to go. Uh, usually it was just to Monaco, you know, to sit on the back of the boat and drink champagne. But, uh, you know, and then they'd go back. But the rest of the time, these guys were taking care of these boats, ships. And uh, during that time, we would hear the name Cape Town quite often as an international sort of tourist spot, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, when my wife and I went to Africa, we wanted, we had just come, we'd come from India. We were missionaries. We didn't want to go to, Cape Town is just about the most un-African place on the entire continent. It is, uh, it's more like first world. It is. Uh, But that was the only door that the Lord had open. Since we arrived there, the Lord told us he sent us to the uttermost part of the earth. Well, he really did. If you look at a map, Cape Town is about as uttermost as you can get, you know, only thing south of Cape Town is penguins in the Antarctic, and they're not a really receptive field. Right. So when you get uh, God's guidance like that, well, we went and we said, okay, well, maybe the Lord, something else is going to open up. But you know, when you get someplace, you can kind of feel when you're in the right place at the right time. And the Lord sends all of these little confirming signs. So we just said, well, let's just forget about that. Let's just dig in until the Lord has us go. And since that time, it has been one slight increase after another slight increase in the midst of previously unimaginable type problems. I like to mention problems because people think that um, they look at the work that we now have and it looks, oh, very nice, you know, uh, I'm going to get some funding and I want to do that. No, you got to start from the ground up. Absolutely. That's the way the Lord does it. If you don't start from the ground up, you don't quite build it right. I mean, I, I can say this now. I That was a lesson that I had to learn. I didn't know that at the beginning. In fact, if I had known when I first met the Lord that I was going to have, you know, raise 10 kids and be in different mission fields and do all the things that I've done, I would not have lived one day at a time back then. I would have tried to make a plan. Yes. Because that's the human, natural, carnal mind taking over like this. That's why the Lord doesn't reveal the future to us. That's right. He wants us to take one day at a time. He says, don't look at the past and don't look at the future. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. There's enough that you have to watch out for today, and he gives you faith for today. That's right. You've got the faith for today. Uh, It's the thoughts of tomorrow that bring stress and the thoughts of yesterday that bring sadness and uh, regret. You just keep your mind in the present and doing it day by day. And the way the Lord has uh, blessed and prospered us slowly over the years, I hate to use that word prosper because it's, it's just a real big buzzword in the Christian uh, community these days, health, wealth, and prosperity, you know. Uh, that's, a, that's a false doctrine from the devil Jesus never preached that himself. He told us that we were to die daily in whatever state we're in to therewith be content. Yes. And once again, I'm just the old dishwasher that they barely let into the mission. And I'm thankful for whatever I get. (laughs) With that kind of an attitude, the Lord can do anything because you're continually aware that it's Jesus working on your behalf, working through you and using you to do his work. He's my boss. I could ask for no better boss. He doesn't do it the way I would want to do it. Thank God. I'm his employee. I'm very thankful that I'm in such good uh, conditions. But I really thought that it would take a serious downturn come the lockdown. In the time that we had uh, been here, like in within a year, we sometimes give something like uh, 80 tons of vegetables, something like uh, 24,000 pieces of bread that we because we keep simple statistics when people give us stuff we make a note of it and uh, had we not been doing that we wouldn't have wouldn't have known the the thing over the years we've given out like one about one and a half million tracks wow a hundred and fifty thousand different 
publications of different sorts, whether they, there's one magazine called The Activated Magazine, I really like it, Bibles and uh, Christian publications that sort of speak to people. We keep them we, and we hand them out. And there's been about a, a 150,000 of those over the last 24 years and uh, over 18,000 souls. Praise God. Even this road trip that we just took, it was five days and it was all by faith and 11 people received Jesus during that that trip. And it's just a slow day by day uh, thing, not speaking to vast audiences. In fact, this radio program may be the uh, largest audience that I've ever talked to. I don't know. Maybe. Other than that, it is just face to face, one soul at a time. And the Lord has uh, always, always taken care of us. And Amen. when the lockdown began, I thought it was going to take a, a downturn. And me being the kind of person I am, like I told a bunch of people, I wouldn't have minded sitting in front of the television and watching a bunch of documentaries and uh, things like, you know, stuck in the house like that. But the Lord didn't do that. The lockdown was going to begin at midnight one night. And that morning, just before the lockdown, someone gave us a... Uh, official papers that we could continue uh, food distribution and uh, so that was the first sign that I got from the Lord that well maybe it's not going to be just all getting bored laying around the house. Simon since that time we have received more goods more often better quality than we ever had in the past I can't tell you one specific place that they come from because they don't come from one specific place. It's just God touching the hearts of the people that we've ministered to over these last 24 years. They have a, uh, a desire in their heart to do something for the Lord, and we get God knows what we get. we're going to get. We have no idea. But the way that the Lord Taylor makes these gifts to the need is just almost spooky. It, raised, it causes the hair on your neck to stand up. There was this one, these people, they bought this really uh, fancy bed for their invalid mother, and she passed away. They donated that to us, and it was exactly what this one particular person needed in one of these quadriplegic homes that we have here in this city. These are people that, uh, that can't function like this, and that was exactly that they were wondering how they were going to do it, what an unusual, specific, unique kind of thing for the Lord to bring to us to fit a unique and specific need like a key fits a lock. Wow. These sort of things. You talk about faith building. My goodness. If your faith needs any more building after something like that, then, you know, you're a blockhead. <laughs> I say that because I put myself in that position, you know. It's like... To see the Lord working in these times, in these dire times, yes, it is. It's praiseworthy of the Lord. And it also sets me on a kind of a course with Christians who have become, uh, now how can I put this, a little comfortable, a little too comfortable in their relationship with the Lord. They've come to expect a certain level of provision and things like this. And... It's not that the Lord can't do it. He's just pretty much said that he's not going to in these last days, that we're going to be his people, his mouth, his representatives to the world, to the dying world. And we can see it. It's starting to die right in front of my eyes right now. Signs of the Times. Well, let's talk about the end times, Anthony. For the past 40 or 50 years, both you and I, many others, have been teaching and looking forward to the end time events as detailed in the book of Revelation. We actually expected Jesus to come back quite a few years ago, and here we still are. But what's happening in the world right now, and the great confusion caused by this COVID crisis and so many other things that are happening in the world, it seems that those days could be finally upon us. What are your thoughts? Yes, my thoughts. One of the things that uh, I knew before I got saved was that this world was, it just seemed like it was going to hell. That was back then. Compared to now, I have seen such a downgrade of everything. 
in one way I could consider it to be inspiring because that just showed that you know I made the right choice that I was on the right track but the things that are happening themselves are quite disgusting in the world today and particularly as they're beginning to happen now yes we are very much into the thing and I think the words that you use great confusion really hit the nail on the head it took a long long time after they rejected God and kicked him out of schools and did uh, everything for all of the many, many blessings that he gave to people to wear down thin. Now, we're beginning to see a reckoning coming. Yes. And frankly, I would want people to have the same kind of faith that the Lord has built up in me. But tragically, I see that people have not been exercising their faith one day at a time, dying daily in little things, so that when the time comes and we need to really die for Jesus— will have the guts to do it. Right. But right now, I can see that time coming closer and closer. Frankly, right now, I'm waiting for a covenant to be signed, a covenant that uh, the Bible talks about, and there's seven years after that covenant. Yes. A definite seven years. In the Bible, it says that no man knows the day or the time, you know? Well, that's true. That's been true for all of history, until they signed that covenant. Then the Lord has told us that there were seven years. That's right. The first three and a half are seemingly good, but the last three and a half are great tribulation. The amount of Christians now that are starting to get edgy and uh, begin to speak louder and louder, oh no, we're not going to be here for the great tribulation, we're not. They just better start practicing because look, it's happening right in front of our face. I can see this uh, this covid thing in particular, uh, the COVID is the excuse. The object is control. It is the new world order coming in. Countries are receiving orders from establishments outside of their country that are not part of their country. That's right. And they're following them as though their own Congress or parliament or whatever it was passed the law. They're listening to the IMF and the WHO all of these things, and just following it fearfully. Well, people get the kind of government that they deserve. And frankly, the pioneer spirit that began places like uh, all the places that were settled outside of Europe, especially like uh, the states and countries in Africa and South Africa and things like that, they had a pioneer spirit. And it was very God-based. Now, the government is moving in and taking over these things, and we are seeing the loss of freedom here. Uh, they know that uh, democracy is the last step before tyranny. I beg your pardon, the last step before totalitarianism. And we're seeing how it's being led down that path. Will it change? I don't think so. It says that uh, wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be that go in thereat. But straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth to life eternal, and few there be that find it. The many are going down the broad way, and democracy is the rule of the majority. So that pretty much sums up democracy. It's headed in that direction. And right now, I'm surprised that people don't see it more. Then the thought strikes me, well, maybe they want it. Gosh. That I can't quite identify with, but I have to say to myself, well, it's obvious from the way that they're acting. But as far as our place in the end time goes, I don't see another 10 years. People are going, they're rushing too fast towards this mark. Yes. In the book of Daniel 11, it talks about a series of wars, and I don't think that things are going to remain exactly the same that they are right now. People were so surprised that it changed so quick yes. to what it is right now. And I don't think it's even going to stay the way that it is right now. But that's just me, just me from my promptings from what I read in the Bible. I'm not going to get up and tell people that I am uh, a prophet and I'm predicting this, that, or the other. It's all been predicted. Uh, in fact, if you go to this uh, www.antrax.com, there's a, uh, a section there for video classes. And I've gone through the whole book of Revelations and, and Daniel. These classes, the shortest one I think is 15 minutes, and the longest one I think is about 30 some odd, I forget, minutes. 
They're just a lot of information packed in. There's no pictures of me in it. It's just information with pictures and illustrations. Wow. It would be good for people to familiarize themselves with the book of Revelations because yes. that book, it's a miracle that that book stayed in the Bible. Everybody that read it said, you know, what is this? This doesn't belong here. I heard, I've heard a number of pastors saying, you know, John was a kook. You know, you just ignore that book. Gosh. Revelations has become the book now, next to the book of John, the Gospel of John, which tells you how to get saved, and the book of Acts that tells you how a disciple acts. The book of Revelations tells you what's, uh, what you're going to be facing. And the reason that it's there is not for you to predict this or predict that. It's all been predicted in that book. And Jesus said, I tell you these things before they come to pass, that when they are come, you will know that I am He. The reason He put prophecy in the Bible is for witnessing. The way that we're going to know in the end that God is who He says He is, is through prophecy, fulfilled prophecy. And if we know the book, we're going to be invaluable to the Lord when these things happen. We'll point it out to the people that are puzzled and wondering what's going on and say, look, here it is. It's written down right here. That's going to be our job. It says uh, in Daniel, it said that many among the people that will be wise and shall instruct many. Well, I hope that I at least fall into that category. Minimum. If this is a dream And you are a dreamer Then you wake from the numb And you know you've become a believer There is a time there is a season People hoping to find just a hint or a sign or a reason A beautiful star Whose countenance pleased us Promised we could acquire all the things we desired and deceived us that we featured on this show. If you go to his website, jerryasmus.com, that's Jerry spelled with a G, then you'll find all of his 24 songs there and they're available for free download. Let me give you once again the address of Anthony's website. It's Ant. 
Tracts.com, where you'll find 35 tracks ready for download, as well as Anthony's illustrated classes on Daniel and Revelation. And if you go to my Christopher Glynn YouTube channel, you'll find there also my reading of the book of Revelation with read-along text. Anthony, back to you for anything else that you'd like to share before we close. Yes. This is our time. Believe it or not, this is what we've been training for. Now it's starting to happen, and myself personally, I didn't expect it to be so unpleasant when I see the way people have turned. Yet when I look at the way that the Lord has been guiding, providing, just totally surrounding my life and the life of anybody that puts their trust in Him, I have the full faith to say, take it one day at a time. You will make it. You can get into the Word. And this book of Revelations, this reading that you're talking about, yes, listen to that. And watch the class at the same time because the class has visuals. You can listen to something and pick up so much. And you can see something and you can pick up other stuff. But together, they're very powerful. You get the full 100%. Uh, if you can see pictures, images, facts, figures, explanations, as you're hearing and reading the, the words themselves, then if anything doesn't jive, you're going to have to start going by the Spirit and reject those things. If it does bear witness, then step out and act on it. That was the thing that spread Christianity to begin with, that's, we need that right now because it's not only dividing into people that are Christians and people that are not. There's all kinds of people out there that are not going to be receiving this new world order. Muslims will have a very hard time calling a man God. So will the Jews. But so will just absolutely proud individuals who won't call anybody God like that. We're going to be out in the wilderness with all kinds of people to witness to. And we need to get our faith solidified. It's founded on a rock. The way you do that is you get in the Word. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You hear the Word of God, your faith gets built. Pretty soon, you reach that point. Very soon after that, you reach the point where God will give you an opportunity to put that faith into action. And then you become a follower. The word disciple comes from, it means they follow the teachings of the Master. We know who our Master is. We need to follow His teachings. That doesn't mean just read them. That means to follow them, to do them. Step by step, God never makes it too hard for us. He always gives us what we can handle, even though sometimes I've been in situations where I thought, wow, I can't handle this. I guess God knew better than I did, and it turns out that he did. But that's the kind of stuff that we're headed for. We're not going to find anything in our, in our future lives that we cannot handle, that we will not have the grace for. But it's good to have the knowledge so that we can understand just what's going on around us. I wish that for everybody. I don't wish it. I pray for it for everybody. Wishing is not such a good thing. Praying is what we ought to do. Anyway, God bless you, Simon. Thank you for uh, having me on there. I hope uh, what I said made sense. Mm -hmm.